Welcome to the Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of the Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Done IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Welcome to the Concierge CPA Podcast. I have two special guests today. I have Mary McDonald and I have Brian Schrag, which apparently there's been a debate as to how to pronounce Brian's last name. And so I got it right. Recognition right here. Yay. So I'm really excited to have you on because I want to hear all about the first ever tax Twitter retreat. It was Denver, Colorado, and it was August. What dates? The 11th and 12th. I know. <laughs> we all got there on the 10th. We all left on the 13th. But the formal piece of it was the 11th and 12th, Friday, Saturday. Okay, awesome. And tell me if I'm wrong, but it seemed based on the online presence that everything went exceptionally well, better than expected. And you're already planning next year. So to kick off with how did this come about? And Mary, how did you become the center of this Twitter verse? That one, I don't know. Other than I think so the women in my family have always kind of looked around and like nobody else is stepping up to do it. All right, fine. We'll just do this. So I feel like that's part of it. Like we want this to happen. Somebody needs to at least be loud about it. And I'm pretty good at being loud about things. I know that I really got involved with tax Twitter kind of around 2020, 2019-ish, but especially when COVID hit and then Congress changed everything for us. And I was working in a very small firm. There was my boss and myself as CPAs. And so with all of the changes, really needing help, understanding everything that was happening and tax Twitter just became my lifeline. And I developed some real relationships there, which seems really weird to say about Twitter. And I know that there were times when I would be telling our front office person, hey, I'm getting a phone call from this person. I don't know their real name. So if they ask for me or if they ask for accounting as art, that one's for me and it's okay. (laughs) And with those relationships then developing came this idea that we should all get together. We should get together and hang out. We should do this. And Dan Heron really stepped up and he and I had been joking about it a lot. And so he's like, all right, let's do it. Let's plan this. And then Allison McLeod stepped in with the two of us and the three of us sat down and just said, all right, let's figure out what people want, what people really wanted. This time was a space to get together and some time to do it. So let's create that. And when we started, we figured if it was the three of us, we were going to have a blast. It was, this This is what we're going to do. It's going to be the three of us. It's going to be awesome. When we opened up registration, the first three people who registered were not the three of us. So we figured, all right, we're going to have six. This is fantastic. This is going to be great. We figured 10 would be outrageous. Our stretch goal was 30. So if we planned to have 30 people, we had done a poll. We had gotten about 50 people who said they'd be interested. We did a little bit of the wedding math. It was like, eh, roughly two thirds-ish around. So we planned for 30. We had a venue that held 40, so we thought we'll be good. Uh, by the time all was said and done, we had 77 people registered. So people were really interested and, and happy to, to come out. And we scrambled a little bit to make everything work out, told people to lower expectations. But when all is said and done, I look back on it and I'm just 
absolutely astounded and overwhelmed. It was incredible to get all these people together. We figured we had about 65 people who showed up to at least one of the events that were happening throughout the time. Yeah, that's amazing. So unfortunately, I was in Turks and Caicos with my fam, so I couldn't make it. It's so sad. But we were able to sponsor one of the sessions, which was fun, and then keep track of everything happening on Twitter, which there was a fire. What was all this drama and gossip stuff happening? Tell us some insider scoop. I think the biggest thing was just understanding that we have all of this hugely diverse group of people coming together and trying to figure out the best way for people to communicate with each other and hang out. All right. So full disclosure, Dan and Allison and I all do taxes. We're not event planners. Yeah. Kudos to that. I've arranged two, well, maybe three mini conferences for certified concierge accountant. And it is a beast. It's a full-time job for months. Yeah. So, you know, that's you. Thank you. Honestly, I think we got super lucky. And my biggest takeaway and the one that I know the people who are taking over for next year really have taken to heart is just communication was the toughest part. So we had a great little venue the first day. It was a sweet little house and we were able to have two groups and we split people up and it worked out and we had this kind of natural flow. So the first day we ended up with a panel talking about how we can look at our profession differently different things to think about in terms of our pipeline and how do we take care of ourselves. We kind of focused on people in the morning. And then we had a great presentation by Dave Kirsting from Capivario, who talked about co-firming and collaborating and referrals and just other ways that we can think outside of our office box. And then Saturday was really a much more technical day. And I'm super proud of this too. We had a panel for tech and every person on our tech panel was female. So we had a woman-led tech panel, which was awesome. And then in the afternoon, we had a diversity and inclusion panel, which was also just absolutely wonderful. And both of those had some technology needs that we weren't able to meet in the house. And so the room that we had for that, which had a screen and we were able to hook things up to, was very small and tight and didn't have a lot of flow. And we ended up doing one session instead of two, and we didn't have a really good way of communicating all of that. So Everybody was super gracious about it. And I actually do have slides and presentations to send out to folks once I get my head around not working full time on the tax stuff. So, yeah, I think that communication piece was the biggest. Accountants do what they're told. You just have to tell them. (laughs) Well, I missed actually most of the presentations. Thursday, I missed the happy hour thing because I was shopping and then. Friday afternoon session, I had to risk to go shopping for the pizza party on Friday night. Okay, so you were working. I was working, yes. Yeah, so Jackie, I don't know if you know this about Brian or not, but he is really the genius behind Accountants Who Cook, and Brian is a phenomenal cook himself. And so we took advantage of his talent, and he did a pizza party for us and showed us how to do homemade pizzas and then also did some homemade pasta for us. It was incredible. And it was fun. And I have to say thank you to Nathan and Denise that helped so much with that. Couldn't have done it all by myself. I was exhausted by the end of the night. It was kind of one of those, wow, this is a lot. I don't know how chefs and restaurant people actually do it on a daily basis. Well, they say the same thing about what we do, right? It's like, that's miserable. I would never do this. But yeah, no, that's me. Yeah, I mean, I followed Brian and we've been liking each other's posts for a while now. And, you know, he's always such like a positive soul. I love like seeing what he's doing. I didn't realize the whole food connection. I see you post about food a lot or drinks and stuff like that, but I didn't really realize that. So that's super cool. I love that. Yep. 
He's even pulling together a cookbook for us. So one of these days we'll have the accountants who cook cookbook. My goal is to have it ready at the next retreat. All right. So send recipes to Brian. Yeah. I'm pretty married. So she's not going to help with the retreat. She's going to have to help with the book. Yeah. So has a date been set for the retreat? Has a place been set? Give us the scoop. I'm going to defer to Brian on this one. Yeah. So we are in the process of trying to formalize the retreat and create an entity that will be it, that when we are done, we can pass it on to next year's leadership to kind of manage it. But the goal is to really make this inclusive and collaborative, even including where is it going to be? When is it going to be? So we've got a few weekends that we're looking at in July. I think we've all agreed that the Friday, Saturday worked really well because you've got four days, but you only had to miss two days of work and be out of the office. So it'll be probably that same kind of setup. And locations, we've done a few polls. And once we narrow down the date, then we're going to focus on the location, you know, what's available in different cities. And so that's kind of the next step. We're actually meeting Friday to kind of figure out those logistics. And we've had people sign up that are interested in volunteering and kind of told us what they're interested in helping us with. So our goal is to have some committees so that it doesn't fall into any one person's back to do all the heavy lifting and spread that around to the people that are interested in helping. So it'll be inclusive and collaborative and something fun that everybody can contribute to. Yeah, that's great. And so who is the leadership team for this next year? So it is Arume, Nicole Davis, Catherine, her Twitter is Sparkle Cakes, me and Atlanta Tap. I mean, look at the Seattle Tags. I can't even get it right when I call their Twitter handles. <laughs> so Ashley up in Washington is also helping. Are they the two that look kind of identical? I remember that post. Yeah, that was funny. Okay. Well, I love the fact that you had a diversity and inclusion panel. What was the key insight that people got out of that? It was an interesting one. I've never put one on in that manner. There were four of us and we each took like D-E-I-B, so diversity, inclusion, equality, and belonging. And each one of us talked about one of those aspects to bring it all together and then share our stories. So it made it really an interesting way of presenting that and letting people know what it is, why it's important to us. And a lot of people just seem to get a lot out of it. And so it made it special. I was inclusion and talked about being included and having to struggle to find your way to your people, your tribe and people like Mary that kind of builds you up. It was nice. It was fun. So sitting in the room when the room was packed and the way that the four of them presented, it was Rume, Brian, Josh Youngblood, and then Ashley were the four people presenting in that one. And because it was very personal for them, Everybody in the room was able to accept that kind of vulnerability without getting defensive around it. So it didn't come across as you're not being inclusive, you're not being diverse. It was, here's how we see it, here's what we are feeling. And people were really able to take that away. It felt like a very kind presentation in the way it was given and the way that it was received. Yeah, that's awesome. Brian, do you mind sharing a little bit about your story with that? What is your connection there? So I gay, I grew up in Fort Worth, so you didn't really talk about it much. And it really wasn't until after college that I came out even to myself and started working at the same time. And part of it was meeting people that were also gay. And I was in Dallas and 
working at a big four and, you know, when work was over, I wanted to go hang out with my friends, my new friends and work was like the old school. And I was sat down by someone and said, well, you know, you're not coming to the happy hours I'm with you all day. That's not the conclusion I want. And it wasn't that I didn't like the people I did. It was just that kind of evolution. And, and slowly each layer kind of comes off through work. And you finally realize you can't always hide pronouns of who you're dating and what you're doing and places you're going. Because especially once I got down to Austin, there were just half a dozen gay bars. And if I said where I went, it was out. So, you know, that was kind of like one of those things that you just realize they have to accept me or not, but I can't filter myself any longer. That turmoil of kind of who knows what and who's saying what, it puts stress on me. It puts stress on my close friends because they're not sure what they can say to other people in the office. So that was my story, how long-term, just emotionally unhealthy to try to stay in the closet and be that person that people expect you to be. You just got to be yourself and let them accept you or not. That totally makes sense. I'm curious, do you think there's a big difference between the Dallas culture and the Austin culture? Because I think of Texan and I'm born in Austin, raised in College Station, A&M, whoop, and then now I'm in Dallas. So I'm curious, is there a big difference, you think? There's not a big difference between Dallas and Austin. There is between Fort Worth and Dallas and Fort Worth and Austin. Just because Fort Worth has a different mentality. And I get it because I grew up there and it's a very laid back, just live and let live. At least last time I was up there, under the radar and everybody goes over to Dallas because it's a bigger city and there are more established bars. And, but the three cities are pretty accepting, to be honest with you, even though we're not seen as being an accepting place. They really are. And it's Houston as well. Okay. Good to know. For sure. I like what you just said. You essentially, in different words, are saying you need to be your authentic self, right? No matter what that is. And I personally am working through that myself in regards to, I have a lot to say around mental health. And it's taken a long time for me to be able to come out and say that. I come from a very mentally ill family structure. And I am just like recording a video about it. And I don't know if I'll release it or not. But you realize how you feel so disconnected from yourself because you are portraying yourself as one thing. And I look like I've got it all together and all this stuff. But we all have our struggles. And if we can just be more transparent about those and we're vulnerable about those, then we can support each other better, right? It's not like we're trying to go out for the tack. Well, some people are, but screw them, right? Exactly. And I think there's nothing more isolating than feeling like you're the only person struggling with something. And we live in such a social media focused culture where everything is perfect. And that's all you see because I've cropped out all of the bad stuff. So here's just my happy little face. And you don't see the mess behind me and the despair over the returns that need to get done and all the rest of it. And it's really isolating. So as soon as you find out that you're not the only one, there's such a sense of relief that's like, okay. Apparently, we're all human. We all struggle with these things. And it's okay. It doesn't make me a bad person. It just means I'm struggling right now. Yeah, for sure. So what are some ways that people can make sure that they are respecting D&I type initiatives or policies? Were there any like cool things that people are doing in their firms that came out of the retreat or, you know, otherwise? One of the things I really liked that we talked about was Adam is taking people with mental illness or physical challenges and bringing them into his office to 
start doing easy tax prep and really give an avenue of something professional and something meaningful and financially rewarding that they can do. Just saw an article about how the accounting force is embracing more neurodivergent people in the workforce as well. So that was really interesting. I love that. That's really cool. I know that from a super simple perspective, but something I don't see a lot is like from literally like the first job ad out there, we always put at the bottom, we are diverse and inclusive and we want diversity in our group. We just want to throw it out there from the get-go. Like, this is what we're looking for. We support everything. I think that would be nice if more job ads stated a little bit more about maybe people's general core values, but in that area too. And I think our clients start looking for that in terms of what are we putting out there? Are they receptive to it? Do they support the same issues that we do? And I think that draws them, that helps us have a stronger, better connection with our clients because we share those same core values. And it almost kind of repels people that you don't share core values with. So you don't have that dissonance. So I mean, we've all had with people that have a different core value than us, right? You don't want that. And it's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for the client. And so I think putting it out there helps the clients find the people that they are going to resonate better with. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, cool. What was another nice topic that y'all did at the retreat? During our people panel on that first morning, we had Randy Crabtree who was on there and we helped him focus around burnout and how we can take better care of ourselves. Because I think that's another issue along with our pipeline issue. Everybody looks at us and says, why would I want that lifestyle? And we kind of look at it and say, why do I want this lifestyle? <laughs> why do I choose this? So just to kind of remember, you know, the little things, you know, take a break, go for a walk, meditate, sit, just those reminders. And I really liked his approach to it, which was we're in our profession because we want to help, right? We're natural helpers. We may not know the best way to communicate that, but realistically, we're here to help people. And as a result, we tend to take on too much. And so we're not really good with our own boundaries. And so reminding ourselves to set those boundaries and to take care of ourselves. And then as we do that, the rest of it falls into place, right? I remember my first job out of college was at a big four firm and it was the grind. It was the 100, 120 hours a week. And I watched my work quality suffer because I'm sleeping for an hour, two hours before I take a shower and go back to work. And it sucks. And you're looking at this kind of going, that's a stupid mistake, right? And you know it is, but you made it when you were exhausted. And we have this idea that the harder we push ourselves, the more we can get done. And in reality, what we need to do is stop so that we can work better instead of working more and making those mistakes. So I think that was a really good reminder for people too, especially, you know, I, we, we tried to time the retreat in such a way that we're done with the first season. The second season isn't starting quite yet. Yeah, very cool. So there's kind of this cheat sheet of policies going around Twitter right now of things that firms do that seem so ridiculously basic, but that are so important, like having a specific cutoff date before you file returns or having a certain turnaround time, having all projects transparent to the client. It would be so cool, I think, if like we just had this like full on like cheat sheet of here's what you need to think about for next year before you get to next year, because that's problem with boundaries is if you don't set them early, you feel guilty and then you don't enforce them, right? 
if you don't respect them in enforcing your clients will, because they will definitely push you to stretch that boundary to accommodate something that they want done. And then if you happen to be Minnesotan and passive aggressive, it turns into, I'm not answering your phone call. <laughs> you push my boundary. I don't like you anymore, <laughs> which is not, I mean, it's the feeling, right? I still return the phone calls. I don't want people to think that I'm never returning phone calls, but I have that feeling of, I don't want to. It's twofold because it's like a policy and expectation you have of yourself, but also a boundary because, you know, I'll return an email on the same day to anybody. That's our policy, but I'm not going to have all the answers that day, right? But I'll at least acknowledge that I do. And then it's about training the client in the fact that this is going to take time or what's an appropriate date that we can maybe talk about this or whatnot. Can y'all think of like a particular policy like that that you each have in your offices that you think has been really helpful? So this year we did kind of implement for the first season, right? It was stuff had to be in by March. I think we said 17th this year in order to have real potential for getting filed on time. If it was after that, it was going to be extended. And that took a lot of pressure off of us, you know, for those last minute clients, because you, you want to help them, right? And it's like, oh, this is easy this year. And like, All right. But this was our cutoff date. And so this is what we need to do because we have to protect our staff too, right? But yeah. So that one was really good. We're kind of in transition here and we're going to be switching some software around, but those firm wide policies make a big difference. Yeah, we did the cutoff date. So that has helped a lot. The spring, most of our clients are good about extending. A lot of the businesses are audited and the audits aren't even completed yet. You can't even start them. We do tax provisions and extension calculations for them. And then most of our individuals are the owners of those businesses. So they're also used to extending because they have flowed through income that's not ready. So the spring has never been too crazy for us. It's always on the back end because everybody's human and wants to procrastinate and not deal with it as long as they can. So the dates in the summer really became a critical where we extended it from a four-week window to six weeks. So August 1st for September 15th deadline and September 1st, and really this week, I'm, I'm getting some stuff in before October 15th. So that we're not like Mary mentioned, overworking our staff, we have to make sure that you don't lose them. It's a lot harder to find a staff that, you know, replace the staff to get burned out than one client. Oh, yeah. Hiring is miserable. So our firm, we're up in Duluth and we had a staff member who was in Florida. And then we've got another one who works from home full time. So this year we had implemented the weekly huddle. It was a half an hour. Our office manager took it on. She starts us off with a 60 second mystery and she ends us with trivia. But then we get a chance as a firm to get together and actually see each other, right? We've got this weekly huddle on screen. Everybody's there. And just recently, she had been having kudos. So we were able to congratulate each other on things. But she actually just put in little wins in this last one. And then, bless her heart, she made us go around the room, around the Zoom, and everybody had to give something that was just a little win. And it was amazing just how fun it was to see what successes people are having. That's super cool. Yeah. Kind of like the traction EOS concept. They had like the L10 leadership meetings weekly and you kick off with a personal and professional win. In regards to huddles, I'm totally with you on that. We started this year doing a daily morning huddle. It's like 830 to 845. And we just say, what was the top thing we accomplished yesterday? What's the top thing we want to accomplish today? And what's any blocker? 
And it helps hold even me accountable because as CEO and visionary, you're like, blah, 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 right? So I'm really, I'm enjoying the huddle concept. I used to resist it. I was like, I don't want to be required to go to a meeting every day, but I think it is really helpful, especially in a remote environment. So that's cool. Yeah, we do that twice a week where Tuesdays and Friday mornings, we have a week, a a task department meeting, not office-wide because there's 20 people and that would be too insane. There's five of us in the tax department meet twice a week. And one of our employees, she did her internship with us and stayed on as a part-time employee. So we move it around according to her class schedule and workload and that type of thing. She's supposed to work max 20. And it's pretty much like, you just give us as much time as you have available. As long as your grades don't suffer, you can work as much or little as you want. And sometimes I have to remind her, hey, this isn't your full-time job. School is. Don't let us interrupt that progress that you're making in school. But it's fun to get everybody together. She tells us about her classes and what she's learning. And we hear about, you know, one of my staff has uh, kids that are in baseball. And we hear about their games and just different stuff like that. It makes it fun and personal since we're all remote. We all work from home. It kind of helps us keep those connections. Yeah. That's something I think that our profession, people look at accountants and we're supposed to be isolated, right? We're supposed to be in our little silos. This is what we do. We don't talk to other people. We're not full human beings, but we are. And we have lives and we have enjoyment outside of tax, strangely enough for some people. And so to understand that and to be able to build on that and to know that and to see those things grow and to be excited for each other is really cool. And it helps to humanize us, which I think is something our profession has been missing. (laughs) Yeah. Now, when you mentioned staffing, I'm curious what your take is on this, because obviously we've been going through a crisis over the last couple of years. Someone told me the other day, not in the accounting industry, but in general, that things tend to be evening out. And I was like, because I feel like we see that at all. What are all the what I see a lot of, and I think I've seen it quite a bit on tax Twitter, is people are letting go of clients rather than working and burning out or having to bring on people, and especially if it's not a good fit. You know, it's like that old model of you're kind of measured by your revenue. Well, no, because I can have a big revenue, but a bunch of expenses for payroll, and I'm still got the same net income as a smaller shop that isn't like stressing out as much. So yeah, I think. That's kind of what I'm seeing or is that, hey, we're going to focus, we're going to niche, we're going to take care of the right clients. And if you're not a right client, you're not going to stay around if you're causing us headaches. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I went through three purges. So when I first niched into tax strategy back in 2016, I sold 60% of my clients. That was amazing. And then sold like 50% of my clients last summer and then ended up selling them all in the fall. But yeah, that's one of the best experiences of my life that I could just go on and on about to people that are feeling so bogged down. They're looking at it as a very black and white thing. I'm disappointing these people. I'm letting them down. I'm their savior. But that's not the case because I ask everyone, at the end of the day, are you really bringing your all to the table for this client? And they say, no because they're burnt out, right? And so the best thing for that client is for you to hand them off to somebody else and hopefully maybe even do a single so that you can hand select that next person and 
hand off the clients, train them up, have a really nice strategic partnership and relationship. I know that's not possible for everybody across the nation. There are some areas that they're like, there's just no one that would buy my clients here. But I was so upset. One of my coaching students didn't tell me she had talked to a broker in California that told her it wasn't worthwhile to sell $500,000 of annual revenue. So she just fired those clients. And you can control the entire situation and make sure that they're going to someone good. So don't take anyone's advice when they say don't sell. Yeah. All right. Box that issue. So what do we expect from next year? Do you think the format will be pretty similar? Do you think there were some lessons learned or a topic missing that you're like, we got to make sure we talk about this? Yeah, I think right now it's in that kind of brainstorming mode, but I think there are some topics. We're definitely going to include some type of DEI. It might not be the same. It might be bringing in somebody else that that has a unique perspective on it. We are trying to give somebody thin is blind and she couldn't make it at the last minute she had to cancel. But I would like to get Taylor out there and tell her experience in working in the accounting field as a blind person and the challenges that she has and how she has to work around them or find accommodations, but also how she just makes it work. And she's just that kind of a person. So Something like that would be, I think, fun and insightful and enlightening to people. Obviously, technology. Mentally, I've got a placeholder open for whatever new tax legislation is giving us the biggest pain in the butt at the time. Because, you know, it's gonna, there's going to be something we don't even know about yet that's going to be that thing. You all have to plan those blocks for the crap that's coming, right? Like, I think that's one of the biggest problems when we don't plan ahead. We know there's always going to be problems. There's always going to be the IRS interrupting stuff. So just block some time next month, the month after to train up on whatever that crap is, right? I hear though that there's really not going to be a whole lot of new legislation coming soon, but it's more going to be focused around the 2025 sunset provisions, which sound nice, but of course they'll probably throw us for a loop. Yeah. But you know, I Back on the TCJA stuff, like it was fond memories for me because I love learning and I love being challenged. And so I was like, oh, there's so much cool new stuff here. And I was able to teach a lot of things about it. And I really like talking about QBI and stuff like that. So it's not the way that you look at it, right? And how you can offer it for your clients, right? Yeah. If it's a drag for you, if it's something that isn't fun or interesting, there's no way you're going to be able to make it interesting for anybody else. But if you can get excited around it, if you can find the good piece in the, all right, this is something that I get to teach my clients. This is another way I get to provide value, another way I get to help them out. Then it gets to be a little bit of a boost as every conversation goes into billing, right? Hey, you know what? This was more expensive for me to do, so it's going to be more expensive for you. Yeah, every piece of tax legislation gives us a reason and excuse to increase our fees because it just takes that much more time and effort. Right. Don't blame me. Blame Congress. Right. It's like my hands are tied. I'm just the messenger, right? Although you expect us to be their healthcare consultant, the counselor. I mean, we're everybody. Oh, seriously. I'm pretty sure we should all have just honorary doctorates in therapy. But again, like you said, Mary, we love helping people. And so I think we kind of like secretly love the fact that we get to be all those things sometimes. Oh my gosh. Some of my best days are when I've got the widow in front of me, I 
So remember, she was a new widow. She had a place that, that her husband had built in their backyard for their kids. And now her grandkids were grown. But the place that was still sitting there, there was a new family that had moved in across the street from her. She really wanted to give them the place that and she just needed somebody to tell her it was OK. You know, the kids, you can give them the place. It's fine. You don't have to sell it to them. You can just give it. It's totally fine. And she was so excited. And the kids across the street were so excited. And it just those little things that are pieces of everybody's lives that sometimes we forget about. But, you know, when we get to help somebody like that, the smile on her face, just that was like one of the best days. I gave permission for a playset to be moved. <laughs> yeah, like you said, she needed to hear that. And you were the right person to tell her. She needed to hear it. Right. And that was a good day. I don't know what else I got done that day, but that was really important. Right. That would go in your daily huddle of like, my most important thing I did yesterday was tell someone they were okay to sell their place or not sell. Uh, Yeah. Okay. So we're coming up to the end of the hour. So I always love to ask guests, what is your favorite book of all time that like listeners should drop everything, make sure that they've read, or it could be a speech or a TEDx talk. What's influenced you that you would recommend to our viewers? So I have it right here. Mostly I read fiction, which is wonderful. It's my escape. You know, people watch movies, they watch TV. I read my little trashy novels. But I did just read the other day this one, Atomic Habits, which was amazing. And I have all of my little notes in it. <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah. Atomic Habits, I have like a love-hate relationship with because you read it and you're like, this is so simple. Like, really? How is this so simple? But it's so impactful if you actually just do those small changes. So one of those things that you need to continue to revisit and expand on and not just brush off as like these simple concepts, right? Exactly. Yeah. In fact, yeah, reading through it, it's like, well, this is so basic. This is so easy. And those are the things that we forget about. It doesn't have to be life changing to be important. You know, just like if I can get my clients to not use opening balance equity, that would be great. It's a little thing. And so it's those little things. It's eating the whale a bite at a time or eating the elephant a bite at a time. It's but doing it and doing it consistently. So that one helped me reground things because I have a tendency to be an all or nothing. I'm either all in, I'm exercising seven days a week for an hour at a time. That's exactly what I got out of it too, Mary, because I was like, oh, I didn't exercise like I wanted to this week. I give up, you know, but it's like, it's not about giving up. It's about spending the five minutes on it today so that tomorrow you can feel like you can do eight minutes. I working out, but I hate it. But yeah, that's awesome. I love that, Mary. What about you, Brian? One of my favorites recently is John Garrett's Watch Your Hand. And I feel like I try to make sure people know what my hands are. And I like knowing what theirs are. So to me, that book really resonates. And I try to think about how to get people to share those and feel comfortable sharing their hands. Cool. Okay. So I haven't read that one yet. I have heard of it and I don't remember what the and means. So we've got start with your why, like Simon's the next stuff, right? So what is the and? It is kind of the same, but it's your personal. So, you know, I like to cook and I shouldn't be afraid to talk about that at work and tell my coworkers, you know, what I'm doing. They smell it when I heat it up in the microwave. So we might as well be open about it. Hey, if you like to cook and here's what we did last night. But those types of things are you like to go to concerts and you talk about it at work and you let people know, hey, 
I like this kind of music. I go to these concerts. And, you know, you find similarities of somebody else who's like, oh, I never really thought about talking about that, but I like those things too. You know, it's those kind of ands that make you a full person. That's cool because it's so easy to put ourselves in this box of like, this is who I am. I'm an accountant. And it's just like, you've got to have other stuff. Even if it is your, all of your passion and purpose. Well, and if you only identify as one thing, you know, if what you do is how you identify, I can't tell you how many retired doctors don't know what to do with their lives now. I'm a physician and now I'm a retired physician. I don't know who I am anymore. You know? Yeah, that's a big fear, I think, of why so many accountants don't ever retire because that's become their entire life, right? And they don't know what to do with themselves. I feel like I've kind of gone through a bit of a crisis going from accounting firm owner of 12 years to tax software developer and coach. I'm like, who am I? I'm no one, you know? But yeah, so it's like, Try to catch that before you let it go so that you can find other things that make you happy, right? And part of that is also talking about it. So making sure your coworkers or your clients know that because you never know. They may look at you as accountant and in the back of their minds, they know you've got a life outside of the office, but they're dealing with you as in the accounting function, but it helps build a connection if they know that, oh, I also like to go hiking in the Greenbelt. And I take my dogs to swim in the lake. And it's like those little things that help you create like a true relationship rather than just the transactional kind of thing. Yeah. And from the opposite perspective, as you're saying that, I'm thinking like letting them know you're a real human being also means I don't like getting emails at 9 p.m. that ask me if their return's going to be done in an hour. You know, I'm a real human being here. And so I think that's also a good way to go back to establishing those boundaries and expectations. I have things that I want to do with my life too. I'm not just sitting around waiting for your paperwork, you know? Right. One of the scariest things to do is to actually put in your out of office what you're really doing, right? I'm going on vacation for the next two weeks. I won't be available or I'm celebrating my birthday tomorrow, so I won't be in the office. Little things that tell them about your life. And it's amazing. We don't give people enough credit, but to come back to people who understand that you were gone, I'm on vacation for the next two weeks in Hawaii. I won't be available. Cool. You come back and people are like, hey, how was Hawaii? There's that grace period around. I don't expect you to be jumping right back into things. I just need to have this conversation with you versus I'm not available for the next two weeks. I'll get back to you when I can. Then there's this, I don't know what you were doing. It doesn't really matter. You're not a real person. I want my stuff tomorrow. Right, right. And then also health issues. I see people not mentioning those things. And if you just let people know that you had COVID or whatever, they're going to empathize a lot more with you versus expecting so much out of you. So I have a permanent out of office email. Mary, you probably saw it when we were corresponding. So I don't know if you saw the latest iteration, but it literally says, email no longer brings me joy. <laughs> not be checking it but my assistant checks it twice a day and she will alert me if it's important and you can also respond and tell me if it's an emergency and we will make sure and prioritize it for you but i just got to this point this year where i was like i'm done i'm done with email i'm done with it controlling me i put a ton of boundaries around it and tried not to check it myself and it still would just get out of control when i went on vacation and stuff like that and i am that shiny object 
person. And so I'll get an email about some event coming up and be like, oh, I have to participate in that or I have to do this or I need to read this. And now I don't get all that junk, like hundreds of things a day of new ideas that I need to do. And it's just too much, right? I'm thinking about implementing the, I'm not doing emails or phone calls between 8 a.m. and noon because I need to get shit done. Sorry, Jackie. But just having that as an out of office. Yeah. Because I do. And that way I don't have to turn my email on because once it's on and those notifications pop up, it's all distractions and interruptions. I can't focus. Exactly. Yeah. One of the simplest things I did was just turn off the auto notifications of emails on my phone. Then you don't see that you just got five. You control when you go into that email app and check it. And there's power in that, right? There is power in that. That's it. I'm reclaiming my power. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to. (laughs) Yeah, you do that, Mary. I love it. Okay, so we are going to have to wrap up. I could probably talk to you all all day, but I know you probably have extended season stuff to do. And I do appreciate your time two weeks before the big deadline. How can people reach out if they're interested in the Twitter retreat or would it be just following you on Twitter? Tell everyone your handles and stuff like that. So I'm C. Ryan CPA. I've got a website that I'm pretty much that everywhere. C. Brian CPA. Charles is my first name where this name comes from. In school, you know, they were rolling out emails, but Brian was already taken. So I got C. Brian. That was how it kind of got started. So we have a tax Twitter retreat. If you Google it, the website will come up. But follow us, respond, talk to us online, because that's what it's there for. It's a community. And I think we all get along really well and have a great time bantering back and forth with each other. I have to ask real fast because you brought it up. How would someone get plugged into this community? I mean, is it as easy as starting to use the tax Twitter hashtag? Or how do you recommend that people are like, I don't want to be part of this, but I'm an outsider. So I would say definitely, you know, the tax Twitter hashtag is going to be the easiest way to find us. I'm accounting as art. I know that there are people who are lurking and they're afraid to say things. I'm sassy and salty and sarcastic. And so I sometimes come across as brash and I apologize. I apologize. I don't apologize for that. But really, I started by just asking questions and there really aren't any stupid questions. They feel stupid, but they're not. Ask a question, hop in, you know, chime in. I think one of the easiest ways to get started is on Fridays, we have uh, Friday wins, post a win. People are always paying attention to that. Because I don't get on social on Fridays. I'm very strict boundaries. That's the only way I can live life, y'all. So taxtwitter.info is where your retreat information is. So right now it's, of course, everything from 2023, but eventually maybe springtime maybe we'll have new updates. Oh, I would hope by the end of October, let's bring it past the October deadline. I think we'll have time and that will be a fun distraction. You know, just don't look taxes. Let's do something fun and get, get busy on that. Brian, thank you, Mary, so much for being here. It was a pleasure catching up. And I know that the next retreat will just be even more amazing than before. So thank y'all for contributing to the community like that. Awesome. Hey, thanks for having us, Jackie. Thank you for having us. Yes. Thank you. 
you for listening to the Concierge CPA hosted by Tax Plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-CPA.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.